This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 325. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 325. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. I hope that you're doing great. I hope your April is off to a lovely start. For some of you, it might be spring break. I think for some people, it's that week. Ours isn't for a while still. We have like the latest spring break. I don't know why we just don't skip spring break for us and just go to summer because ours is so late this year. So if it is your spring break week, I hope you're doing something fun or at least that you have some childcare coverage and it's not too much of a headache. I know that having kids out of school can present a lot of challenges. And I know for us, like this year, for us, for spring break, we're not going anywhere, which presents some challenges. In fact, I brilliantly, let me just tell you what we're doing for spring break. I brilliantly planned Shameless MomCon during spring break. So excellent planning on my part that my kid will be out of school the whole week that I, leading up to Shameless MomCon, and then Shameless MomCon starts on the Thursday evening of spring break and then all day Friday. So I mean, just want to pat myself on the back for that, like the worst planning ever. But oh, well, what are you going to do? I will figure it out. That's the thing. Like we always figure it out. This is why when I say to moms who are struggling around something, I'll say, you need to remember and repeat the mantra like, I am resourceful, I am resilient, I am resourceful, I am resilient. Because these are the situations that we always find ourselves in where we have to figure things out. And we always do. We always figure it out and it will always be fine. So 
there's that. I want to congratulate our Shameless Mom of the Week. So Shameless Mom of the Week goes to Girly Gator. And I happen to know her screen name is Girly Gator, but this is my girl, Tanya. I love Tanya. And so I saw this review come in and I was so excited to hear from her. Tanya is in the Shameless Mom Academy. She's also in Momentum Mamas. She's coming to Shameless Mom Con. She's just been an amazing, amazing person to have in our community. She's supportive of other women and moms to such a great extent. And I so value her. And the way that she's shown up and had massive transformation in her own life in the last year or so has just been so awesome to watch. So remember, Shameless Mom of the Week always comes from nominations that you all can leave for yourself when you leave a review for us in iTunes or Apple Podcasts. So to do that, you just go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, write a review for the show and let me know how the show has impacted your life and you might be nominated for Shameless Mom of the Week. So Shameless Mom of the Week this week, Tanya says, Shameless Mom is worth the listen. This podcast speaks to moms who are struggling to become moms, moms with new babies, moms who have married into, foster adopted, lost children, and moms whose babies are grown. It is for the mom who is all in, like myself, with Momentum Mamas and Shameless Mom Con, and for the mom who listens when she can while folding laundry or waiting in the pickup line. It is for the stay-at-home mom and the mom that leaves the home to work. It is for all of us. Sarah sees us and supports us. She is here to remind us to love ourselves. We are enough. And yes, there is life out there. Having her voice in my ear and being part of the community she has developed has been life-changing. Thanks, Sarah, and happy three years. Can't wait to see what the next year brings. So I love this. I so appreciate that Tanya recognizes that the Shameless Mom Academy is definitely not for just for working moms or just for moms who like actually gave birth to their babies themselves or who have two-year-olds and three-year-olds. It's for people who are on moms on so many levels. It's been interesting to me how many moms we have or moms to be in this community. So people who are some of them going through infertility and on the journey to motherhood and who are listening to the show in anticipation of that. So that's really exciting. I love knowing that we have just so many moms from different backgrounds in different places in motherhood, in different places professionally in this community. I think it makes this community what it is just so magical and transformative and positive and powerful. So thank you, Tanya. Love you. Love you. You're amazing. And I cannot wait to meet you and squeeze you at Shameless Mom Con. So Next up, we have our conversation for this week, which I'm so excited about. We're talking about four secrets to a successful marriage, according to Michelle Obama. So I just have to give a little like a disclaimer on this. This is not a political episode. And I will tell you that like the only negative reviews I ever get are pretty much the only negative ones are aside from the one where this woman called my show trash because I kicked her out of our Facebook group for being discriminatory. So outside of that, all the other people who, and I actually think after she called the show trash, she did mention that it was too political because in her mind, if you're anti people being discriminatory, that's political. So I don't know what to do with that. But anyways, I'll let you take it for what it is. So the negative reviews I get for the show are often around the show's just way too political, which is interesting to me. And also I get it. Like I don't hide my politics, but also I don't spend a lot of time talking about them either. But I think that sometimes people just are quick to like see a topic or maybe hear an opinion and assume like, oh my gosh, this is a totally political show. And it's interesting to me. And also eye-opening, like full honesty, it's totally eye-opening. So here's the thing. I want to talk about Michelle Obama's Four Secrets to a Successful Marriage, which I recognized after reading her book and then seeing her speak recently. I got to see her when she came to Seattle because I think these are really, really valuable. And this has nothing to do with politics. Like I'm not talking about her as first lady. I'm not talking about her as the president's wife. This is just how I see 
that she addresses challenges in being married to someone who operates very differently than she does, very different personality types. And she really acknowledges like, here's how we've made it work. And here's where it's been really hard. And I totally appreciate that she's really open about this. I think it's really easy for us to look at other people's marriages and make assumptions that they just have it all and it looks so easy and it's just, you know, what is the truth behind those pretty pictures? And she really comes clean with that in her book, I think, and I've seen her do it in interviews as well. She's really open about here's where we've struggled over the years. Here's how our personality types are so different. And here's how we make it work, which I really appreciate because I think that when we see other people open up about struggles in their marriages and struggles just coexisting with another person who is very different in personality type or identity, I think it really helps us see how we can do better in our own relationships and how we can really, you know, optimize our gifts and our partner's gifts without getting under each other's skin and having wedges driven between us because of our differences. Okay. So four secrets to a successful marriage, according to Michelle Obama. The first one that I have noted is boundaries, expectations, and rules. So one of the things that she talked about early on in the book was that when her husband got really involved in politics and she had two little kids at home, really little girls, there was a lot of nights where she would get messages and he would be saying, Hey, I'm on my way home. Like I'll be there for dinner. And she would hold dinner and be like, okay, like he's on his way. And then all this time would pass and the girls were really hungry. And then it's like bedtime and they haven't eaten yet. And this happened enough for her to get really frustrated. And so she finally decided, okay, dinner is at 630. No matter when you come home, dinner's at 630. So we will sit down as a family, whoever happens to be here to eat dinner at 630. And she set this boundary and this expectation and a rule around this, because this is what needed to happen for the best interest of the family. And then from there, Barack could decide, like, do I want to make it home or can I make it home or maybe not? But this is what's going to happen every single night because she knew that she could not have it. She couldn't have the uncertainty every night like that for her personality type that didn't work well for having two little kids who needed food that didn't work well for maintaining a consistent routine that didn't work well. She also really recognized that having her girls schedule and the stability in their schedule be a top priority was increasingly important as their family's lifestyle really got to be more in flux just because of their political visibility and their political commitments because of being on different campaigns when there was on the local level or the national level. And so she became really clear that I understand what your goal and your mission and your dreams are. And that's great. And I'm happy to support you as your wife. And also those dreams can't come at the cost of our girls' stability and schedule and security, especially because they were so young. And so she had a lot of structure around their routines. And that even as they moved into the White House, that was really top priority for her so that they had that sense of stability growing up. And the thing about that is, is that it would be really easy and obvious, I think, to think that, you know, small children growing up in politics might just have a lot of chaos and a lot of transitions because jobs are changing and situations are changing and you might be moving and you might be moving between counties or cities or states and you know all over the country depending on these situations and so the best thing that you can provide to your child and this would be you know outside of politics obviously as well so maybe you're in a military family or maybe you and your husband just have you know a lot going on all the time maybe your kids have a lot of sports practices whatever the situation is where there might be a tendency or reasons for there to be chaos and a lot of moving pieces in the household and a lot of balls in the air, regardless of all of that, providing 
consistent, predictable structure is where children naturally thrive. And so she had to look at what is that going to look like for our family? And so having these dinners at a certain time every single night, that was one of the things. The other thing was like moving to the White House. Okay. The girls are going to still be able to do their extracurricular activities in as normal a way as possible. And they're going to still maintain these other parts of their structure or schedule and their lives that stay consistent and constant in spite of this like really, you know, relatively speaking, just totally unique growing up situation and environment that they're growing up in. And so I think that looking at that and being really clear around that and having one parent who's really committed to that, I think is really important. And I think sometimes both parents can be very committed to that. But I think in a situation where you have one parent who's really practical and pragmatic and you have another parent who's a huge dreamer, sometimes that all has to fall on one parent to be responsible for that. And if you have two parents who are dreamers and two parents who are super like, you know, always chasing the next dream and flying by the seat of their pants, not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but sometimes that comes at the expense of security, stability, and predictability for our kids. And that can come at a cost and that can be challenging for children growing up and it can be challenging for them later in life as well when they haven't had that predictability and stability in their routines early on. So I totally appreciate that one of her secrets to a successful marriage was having these really clear boundaries and expectations and rules. The way she talks about it is that she just was always very firm and neutral. Like I never got the sense and who knows, like, of course, this is written from, you know, years after the experience happened, but it wasn't coming from this place of like, I can't believe you prioritizing your job and just leaving us sitting at the dinner table with cold plates. It was more just this very neutral. This is how things are going to operate. This is how they need to operate, you know, in the best interest of our daughter's lives and in our family's life. And so here's how you can choose to navigate around that. But this is where the boundaries and the family rules are going to be. And so keeping that really neutral stance around like, this is what needs to happen. This is what is going to be best for the girls. And you can decide how you want to manage that on your end. Not coming from a place of, you know, well, if you're not going to be here, then we're just going to eat without you. That's like obviously really different. So not coming from a place of being defensive, but coming from a place of just being really simple, neutral, and that you're letting your needs be known and your kids' needs be known. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group 3, 
three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have this four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Number two, the second secret to a successful marriage, according to Michelle Obama, assume that your partner has the best intentions. Oh, this is a hard one. And I think that we all, I think especially when you've been with someone for a long time, and maybe I'm speaking for myself, sometimes it can be easy to assume that like, are they just looking out for themselves? Are they not even thinking about the rest of us? Like we get under each other's skin in this way. And so one of the things that Michelle talks about, I've heard her talk about it in multiple spaces, is that her husband is really a poor time manager and he's bad at tracking time. And so this whole thing with dinner where he would say like, I'm on my way, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there soon. She's like, you know, he would say that, but he wouldn't even be like, have his jacket on to leave the office yet. And in her mind, if someone says they're on their way, it means like they're like buckling their seatbelt and like pulling out of the parking garage. And so I know for me, this happened when Vinny was really, really little and my husband was working. He worked like a mile from our house. And I remember he would tell me he was going to be home at like 515. And I would literally like if he wasn't home at 517, I would lose my mind. Like he said 515. It's after 515. Like he said he was on his way. He texted me he was on his way. Like where could he possibly be? And so I would be quick to assume that like he decided to prioritize his inbox over, you know, coming home on time or prioritize a client call over coming home on time. And I think that that was Michelle Obama's assumption early on as well, that like, well, it must be nice to be able to stay at the office and have these conversations while we're all sitting here waiting for you in the evening. And what she learned over time was not that, so yes, he was a poor time manager, but it wasn't because he was trying to be disrespectful. It wasn't because he was being like flighty or flaky about anything. It was really because he was so focused on serving his mission and making an impact on a bigger level that he had a hard time walking away at the end of the day, feeling like he'd done enough. And so he would stay at the office and he would have that one more conversation, that one more phone call, answer one more constituents question, like have one more conversation with someone to make them feel better, to make them feel heard or seen at the expense of his family feeling heard and seen. And so I think this happens a lot that 
we assume that our partners are prioritizing the work environment or other people before us. And sometimes it's just that if you are married to an obliger, first of all, who is always trying to please everyone or a dreamer who is always on a mission to have the biggest impact and do the next big thing, those people through like no ill will or ill intent at all will make room for everyone. And sometimes that means that they're not making all the room for you. And that can totally sting. And so what Michelle over time, how she kind of shifted her thinking was recognizing he's just trying to help everyone. And that means sometimes we get the short end of the stick. And she wasn't at all like, okay, so I'm cool with it. But she recognized like this isn't coming from a place of like he doesn't want to be with us. It's coming from a place of he's just trying to serve so many people and serve on such a deep level and such a highly impactful level and those kinds of things. So I think that is a very graceful and gracious way to a point of view. Definitely not always my point of view when I feel like I'm not seen. But I also appreciate that when you're looking at a long-term relationship, this is what you need to be looking at. You have to be able to recognize that like my partner has these shortcomings and here's what's really behind it. Rather than my partner has these shortcomings and it's because he doesn't care about me or he doesn't care about our family or he's doing a bad job of anything. It's just that this shortcoming, it might be because he has a strength somewhere else. And so I totally can appreciate, especially those of you who are obligers, you probably know how hard it is to get out of the office when people are asking things of you. And you're thinking like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to say no. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to look like I don't care or like I can't do my job. And also I know that my family is like sitting at home waiting for me. And so when you're an obliger, that's a lot of pressure and that can feel like a lot to navigate and that can be really challenging. So kind of looking at both ends of that, both pieces of that. Michelle, I think not so much as an obliger, was more likely to be like, you know, you need to leave. You need to put your family first. You need to show up for practice or whatever the thing was. And so I think that you have to, again, for the sake of your relationship and the longevity of your relationship, really looking at all sides of it. I know my husband is like ridiculously loyal to a fault. And there's times where I'll say to him like, this relationship or friendship or whatever, like, I don't feel like it's serving you anymore. And he like does not give up on relationships. It's so interesting to me. And so he's stuck out some relationships and friendships where I'm like, I don't really feel like that person's being a very good friend. And he's like, yeah, I know they really aren't, but like he doesn't give up on people. And so it's interesting, like watching him and I'm like, wow, that's something I should learn from instead of being kind of annoyed with him and being like, that person's actually kind of being a jerk. Like (laughs) maybe you should just walk away. And he's like, no, you know, they're going through a rough time. I'm just going to give them some space and grace. I'm like, I have learned to appreciate that about him instead of being annoyed with it. And so I think there's a lot of different capacities in which we can do that. And it can really help us appreciate our partner rather than being frustrated all the time. And it can be a challenge. I will not lie. Like it can totally be a challenge, especially if you operate differently in that capacity. Number three. So the third secret to a successful marriage that I have learned from like being a spy on Michelle Obama, assume that your partner can do the things they say they can. So this is really fascinating to me. And I think that this happens a lot when you are married to a dreamer or a high achiever, when they say they want to do something, it's easy to be like, sure, you go do that thing. Like I'll be right here when it all falls apart and I'll help you pick up the pieces. And that was kind of her feeling when Barack said, I want to run for president. And she was like, I know if I say no, then I'm like squashing his biggest dream ever. So I can't do that in good consciousness. 
And also like, he's not going to win. So I may as well just let him go out there and fail. And then when he's all done with it, I'll be like right here to welcome him home. And so this was very much her attitude as she went after this. And I've seen this happen in other capacities and other people's relationships where a spouse says they want to go after this really big dream. And the more pragmatic spouse is like, sure, honey, you go do that. And when you're done, I'll be right here with like the secure job, the stability, the medical benefits, like, and the 401k, like I'll just be right over here. And actually I've heard Dave and Rachel Hollis talk about this as well. And this was Dave's mentality around Rachel Hollis going after her dreams. And he had this big corporate job working for Disney. And he was kind of like, yeah, like go build your little mom blog and I'll be right over here, bringing home the paycheck, keeping us everything consistent and stable and secure. And over time he started to see like, holy cow, actually my wife can build an empire that's more successful than what I'm doing in my job right now, even though I'm high up at Disney. And I think that what Michelle Obama saw out of Barack's goals and dreams was holy cow. Like when he said he wanted to be president, it did not enter his mind that that would not actually happen. Like he wasn't like, I'm just going to try it and see what happened. He was like, I'm doing this all the way. And so like, let's be in it together. And so she started recognizing as they got further down the campaign trail, like, holy cow, this might actually fully happen. So one of the ways this has shown up for me in my marriage is that when I said I wanted to sell the gym, my husband was definitely a little taken aback. Like, well, hold on. Like, that's the income. Like the way that you participate in like our family's finances is dependent on that gym income. And so like, you're just going to walk away from all of that and start something new. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. I think it'll be fine. (laughs) He was like, He was on board, but he was also nervous. And he was like, I have to tell you, I'm not going to say don't do this, but he's like, I'm nervous about this. And he's like, I don't know how one makes a living around a podcast. And he said, I do know, though, that if anyone can do it, you can do it. And so he's like, you know, if this is what you want to do, I'm definitely not going to stop you from it. But I'm a little nervous about like what it's going to look like. I don't really have a clear view of what it's going to look like or how it's going to play out. So like, yes, go for it. And like, be careful. And I'll say like that actually for me was total fuel. I was like, oh, he doesn't think I can do this. And not like thinking like in a defensive way, he doesn't think I can do this. Just like, oh, he doesn't think I can do this. Like now I'm all the more motivated. Like I want to prove to him that I can. I want to prove that if he's going to place this huge amount of trust and faith in me, that I'm going to like over deliver. There's been other people in my life who have undermined my potential for sure. And they've done it in disrespectful ways and ways that have been, you know, pretty offensive. And to those people, I'm like, oh, watch me. Like I get super fired up by that. And there's definitely people I've talked about some of them on the show. I have had multiple former bosses and people who are like, have definitely poo-pooed my ideas or questioned my strengths and questioned my qualifications to do certain things. And to all of them, I am like, oh, watch me go. Like, I will do more than I just said I would do if you're going to doubt me. And so I'm someone who thrives in that. My husband was not at all, like, doubting me in that way. But I think recognizing sometimes that the benefit that that can have is powerful as well. So all this is to say, assume that your partner can do the thing that they say that they can. Because the thing is, when you do that, when you create that space for them, all it does is give them more room to be successful. If they think that you are begrudging them a dream or assuming that they can't do it, or you know, if you're feeling super nervous about something, 
that only adds stress and takes away energy from them putting energy into the thing that they need to be really successful. So being super supportive. Now, I don't mean to be reckless about this. I don't think that you should assume that your partner can do everything at the like, I'm not at all saying like, sell your house and go all in on a dream, you know, or like liquidate your 401k plan. I don't think you should be reckless about it, but I think that you can be supportive in strategic ways where you're creating space for your partner to follow through on a dream and go for the things that they really want to go for recognizing that holding them back isn't going to help anyone. And I've definitely seen this happen in the last year as people have signed up for Shameless MomCon and in Momentum Mamas, as people decide to go after new things, when they have the support of their partner, it creates so much more space for them to be successful. And what I've seen happen time and time again is when they don't have that support, they spend a lot of energy trying to navigate that. And ultimately what ends up happening what I kind of see over and over again is that there comes a time when they go to their partner and they're like, you know, I need your support and not having your support on this is a deal breaker. So how can we work this out? And sometimes that's a really uncomfortable conversation, but it's a conversation that needs to be had to have a conversation around like I'm doing this and I'm not asking for your permission. I'm asking for your support. I'm doing this either way. So I need to know what needs to happen for you to get on board. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a minute. At the very end of this, I'm going to talk more about permission versus support, because I think it's really, really important and a really crucial piece of a lot of this stuff. So we'll get back to that in just a minute. Number four, the fourth secret to a successful marriage, according to Michelle Obama, is to build, own, and grow your identity. So she always had her own places where she wanted to have impact and where she wanted to use her truest gifts. And so before Barack was running for president, she moved between multiple jobs, leaving jobs that made a lot of money as a very high, you know, a lawyer in a big firm, working on big cases and going to smaller jobs where she could have greater impact and make way less money, but she felt like her impact was greater. 
and then moving back into bigger jobs again, where she could work up in organizations and lead big teams and big groups to, you know, have high impact in the Chicago area. And so all of that was maintaining her own identity as her husband was building his identity as a political person. She maintained her identity. And that can look like a lot of different things. This doesn't need to be that you're building this massive career path. It might be that, but it doesn't have to. But I think the important piece is how are you going to build, own, and grow your identity? So when she first got to the White House, she was really clear around like my identity right here and my what I'm owning in this space is that my top priority is to make sure that these two girls that we brought into this, these two little girls who did not sign up for this, that they have the safest and most secure experience as possible growing up in this like ridiculously unconventional life. And so that was her first goal and her first big piece of her identity that she really like was very open about. And then from there, once that started happening, then she was like, okay, and now where can I go from here? And what can I do? And now that they have the safe and stable and secure environment, now what can the next step be for me? And so for her, she was able to create her own missions and have massive impact in the second half of her husband's first term and then in her, the second term as well around getting kids moving, getting healthier foods in schools, like impacting millions of kids' meals every day, and then getting better services and opportunities to military families. And so really prioritizing like, this is what I want to build an identity around. And my husband is over here building his identity and here's what I'm doing over here building mine and really building, owning, and growing that identity in ways that felt meaningful and impactful to her. And I think that piece is really, really important as well. So not letting yourself get lost because your partner is following a dream. And like, it would be easy to just let their dream overshadow yours. And it might be that your partner has a bigger dream or a more visible dream. That's fine. And it might be that you have the more big and more visible dream. Also fine. But building, owning, and growing that, either way, super important. So now I want to go back to this bonus idea concept about permission versus support. So I think that Michelle knew that permission was not the right approach. Support was that she didn't need to give Barack permission to go for presidency, to go like in any of the political steps that he took, he was going to do what he was going to do. And she couldn't stand in the way because that would only cause stress and demise and deterioration of their relationship. So she stood in a place of constant support. Constant uncomfortable support. Like she will fully admit a lot of uncomfortable support. And she talks about getting on the airplane to leave the White House when they left at the end of their presidency on Inauguration Day 2017, I guess. And she talks about getting into the airplane and just falling apart crying, like deep, heavy crying because she had had to stay in this uncomfortable support for eight years, which was a really long time. But also she knew that was the right thing to do. That was the best thing to do for their family. And she finally could exhale. And so she was able to do a lot in that time. She was able to build her identity, grow her identity, own her identity for sure. Like we all knew what Michelle Obama stood for when her family was in the White House and she was first lady. But also she admits that that was a lot of discomfort for her over the course of that eight years. And now, now she's on the other side of that. And, and now she's able to start dreaming and building a new identity and in this new phase, which is also really cool. And that's the other piece of all of this is that we all go through phases, right? And so I want you to consider as you go through different phases, what do you need from your partner? How can you ask for support rather than permission? So how can you say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. 
Here's what I would like support around rather than saying, Hey, do I have your permission? Can I do this? I mean, this has come up over and over again with shameless mom con people saying like, do I need to ask my partner for permission? And me saying, no, you need to ask for support. Rachel Hollis talks about this in writing her book. I heard Dave talk about this and I'm actually interviewing him soon and we'll, I'm sure we'll cover this. But he said, you know, if Rachel had come to me and said, I want to go write this book around how I was a really awful partner when we were dating and treated you horribly, like a total, like disgusting white guy. And also you're going to write a book around like how awful our sex life was for a while. He's like, I would have never said yes to that. But Rachel never went to him and said, Hey Dave, I really need you to sign off on this first. She said, so I'm writing the book. Here it is. I'm going to let you read it first, just so that you know what's coming out. And he was like, okay, wow, this is super uncomfortable. And also I'm not going to stop you from writing this. Like, this is your truth. This is part of your story and part of your experience. I can't stop you from doing that. He fully admits it was super uncomfortable and super awkward. And all he could do was offer support because she wasn't asking for permission. So you have to consider that when you ask for permission, what you're going to get back is very different. When you ask for support, people will show their true colors in opting to be supportive or not. And that's important for you to know, even if you don't get the support that you need, now you know, and now you can take steps around that and you can decide like, okay, well, if you can't be supportive, then we need to look at our relationship and we need to have a conversation around that. Maybe we need to go to therapy around that. All of that can be highly, highly valuable. So there you have four secrets to a successful marriage. According to Michelle Obama, I'll just do a quick review. Number one, setting boundaries, expectations, and rules. Number two, assuming that your partner has the best intentions. Number three, assume that your partner can do the things that they say they can do and want to do. And number four, build, own, and grow your own identity. I hope this has been helpful and informative. Obviously share this episode out with other people because that is how we help more moms become shameless every damn day. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show. So you never miss an episode. You can do that directly. If you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, that will put you in Apple podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences, letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.